welcome to The Right Perspective, the podcast where we review classic television shows and movies and decide whether they are classics from The Right Perspective. Every once in a while, we review current content because it's linked to content that is considered a classic or because there is something about that new release that lets us know it's going to be a classic down the line. Today is one of those special days because we are going to review a movie that has just come out a few days ago on September 16, 2022, The Woman King. It's a historical epic film about the Agoji, the all-female warrior unit who protected the West African kingdom of Dahomey during the 17th to 19th centuries. This is the perfect way to kick off season three of The Right Perspective. Woo! fireworks fireworks (laughs) maybe by season four we'll have real sound effects and you won't have to do that season four gonna be our big year the film is directed by gina prince bythewood and written by dana stevens based on a story she wrote with maria bello the film stars viola davis tuso mbedu lashana lynch sheila atim and john boyega the film had a budget of $50 million and made $19 million just in the opening weekend alone. Mm. For some, this cast and these dollars would be enough to affirm that this movie is on its way to being a classic. And time will tell. But today, we will determine whether it is a classic from the right perspective. We'll do a recap, discuss the movie, and then we'll take a voting symbol of... <laughs> We'll do a recap, discuss the movie, and then we'll take a vote using a voting symbol picked especially for this discussion. Let's start with intros. Kick us off, bro. Hi, I'm Aubrey Wright. I'm the oldest. I'm Janiya Wright. I'm the middle. Hi, I'm Brittany Wright, and I'm the youngest. <laughs> and y'all, this is season three. Okay. What? What? Uno, no strength. <laughs> Before we even get into the movie, <laughs> I just have to ask y'all, like, what are your feelings going into season three of our podcast? Reflecting, we've had two great seasons now with more than 20 episodes per season. How are y'all feeling? What are your hopes? What are your expectations for this season? I'm looking forward to season 37. listen i want one of our seasons to make 19 million dollars in one weekend i know that's right i'm like yes (laughs) (laughs) yes i'm awake listen i love it no i'm expecting great things and i'm just loving um i talked to one of my friends and you know you don't know who's like low-key watching your stuff they're not going to tell you every time and my friend was like you know what? Since I've been watching you and your siblings, shout out to Ashley. Um, she was like, there are so many movies I've never seen. <laughs> she was just like, she was like, or I forgot about them. Yeah. She was like, so I've really been appreciating <laughs> you guys' podcast. So Yay! that made me feel really good just knowing that she is watching it, is a faithful watcher. Now, Ashley doesn't like long videos, but she will put it on in the background so, as she's doing things. So thank you, Ashley. <laughs> oh, love that. Love that. Thank you, Ashley. I have, I have, I would, I would love to be, I would love to be background watchers. 
Those are my favorite videos. They're the best. Videos. Totally. That you don't have to look at them and see what's yeah. going on. But no. you're still catching it and you're cracking up with it as you're walking around, making yes. comments like, that's so true. <laughs> yeah, to be a part of the fabric of someone's day or the fabric of someone's household. That's yes. a really lovely compliment. So yes. I love that. I love that. And I do. I have a bunch of friends that are definitely regular watchers, regular listeners. And so we're so grateful for y'all. And yeah, this season, we're we're going to do something we have never really done before, which is promote uh -oh. our, our <laughs> podcast. <laughs> and so um, we're so excited to be on this journey. Well, y'all, let's hop in. You know, it just was, it was really serendipitous in terms of like the timing for the release of The Woman King and the timing for the drop of our first episode for this season. And so it really, truly just was a perfect way for us to kick off. And so the first thing we need to do, y'all, is pick voting symbols. If you're new to our podcast, we always pick voting symbols. We tailor them to the content that we are using. Um, and also, if you're new to our podcast, we do a recap at the top. And so there are spoilers. This is a spoiler alert. Uh, and we do that because generally um, our content is old, you know, people haven't seen it in a while you know uh, but even with the newer content we still we still do the recap so that's a spoiler alert for y'all let's hop into the voting symbols y'all i have voting symbol options and I, I have one to recommend and um i'm pretty sure it's like so like awesome you guys can be like oh we don't need to have any further discussion we, we don't need to like really have any additional you know chit chat about this because yesterday oh. i picked the perfect voting symbol and the oh, voting symbol you being crazy <laughs> <laughs> i just i didn't I didn't know that's where we were going. Well, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a perfect middle child. Yeah, it is. That. It's so good. It's so good. <laughs> My recommendation for our voting symbol, y'all, is the partial shark's tooth. So, um, you know, there was a there was a child in this movie that had been abandoned. And her mother had put a little piece of shark's tooth under her skin, right behind on her, her shoulder. And um, it helped them to reunite as adults. And I just think it's a perfect symbol for this film because the whole reason in the actual woman that had to give up the baby was uh, General Naniska, who was played by Viola Davis. And um, that is, um, you know, when we meet her, we realize that she is a very seasoned warrior. And you already know she has given up so much to, to live the life that she has lived, to be a general in this 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 army. And then to learn that she had uh, given up a, a baby along the way because you aren't allowed to, to have children when you are um, a part of um, you know, this particular uh, warrior group. And, uh, and it turns out that the child was even um, you know, as a result of rape. And so yet another burden that General Nanesca had been uh, grappling with you know, over the course of her, her life, her career. And, um, but it was her, her decision to say, you know what, um, in my fighting spirit, I know I cannot raise this child, but in my fighting spirit, I'm going to, I'm going to put a mark on this child so that if we ever reunite, I will know her. Um, it enabled her to be able to reunite with her daughter. So that to me, that fighting spirit, that, that, that resilience, I think that is so, so such a through line in the movie that the shark's tooth is a perfect voting symbol for today's podcast. Bam. Whoa. Well, you, got, you got my vote. Yes. Excellent. 
Did great. you come up with any sis? Well, you all already knew where my mind was going because I didn't think about it until right now. That's never going to change any seasons that are happening. We get into season 37. I'm going to forget we need a voting symbol. I'm going to remember this clip for season 37. <laughs> totally, totally. And, and I still I was, won't like your attitude at that point. Just like I don't like it right now. Listen, you love it. <laughs> Guns. <laughs> Guns. Okay, move Gun on. Gunpowder. Let's, let's, let's. Spears. And heels. Fighting scenes. <laughs> the beach. Uh-uh. Water. Ships, oh boy, shackles. All right, so let's see. Who there are so <laughs> many to choose from. All right, well, now that all the whole viewing and listening audience is disappointed, <laughs> let us move on with the voting symbol. What did you of... say you wanted more? <laughs> Tense, John Boyega <laughs> and his soul glow hairstyle. Listen, do not hate so, 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 I said, come on, John Boyega with this curl powder. Oh, he played that part. <laughs> Listen, let's let's go with Sharks Tooth, y'all. Oh, um, right. you know, and and so y'all at the end of this podcast, the woman king will get zero, one, two, or three sharks teeth, and it has to get three in order to be considered a classic from the right perspective. Okay. So let's hop into our recap. Now, The Woman King is set in the West African kingdom of Dahomey during the 1820s. The kingdom is beautiful and vibrant and ruled by King Gaso, who's played by John Boyega. Hello. He is newer in role, and it turns out that when he inherited the crown, he also inherited an oppressive relationship with a neighboring kingdom, the Oyo. Okay, mm. the Dahomey have to give tributes like crops and goods and captives to the Oyo in order to keep some level of peace between them. The Oyo are also major proponents of the sale of African captives to Europeans for the slave trade. The Dahomey participate too, but with less enthusiasm. And there is at least one person in the kingdom of Dahomey that wants to stop this practice entirely, and that is Naniska, played by Viola Davis, general of the Agoji, an army of well-trained female warriors that protect the kingdom, supported by an infantry of male warriors. Naniska eventually convinces the king to do whatever it takes to get out from under the thumb of the Oyo and to stop selling captives to the Europeans. Naniska hates the idea of treating people like goods to be sold, and she also hates the Oyo because 20 years prior, she had been captured by them while in battle and raped and tortured repeatedly until she was able to escape. Naniska is fierce, but you can see she is still carrying that pain with her along with all the pains of battle. To get ready for the war that is to come and to replenish the ranks after some recent losses in battle, the Agoji begin training a new class of warriors, including a young woman named Nawi, played by Thuso Mbedu, who was actually gifted to the king by her father when she wouldn't allow herself to be given to a husband. The training is intense and includes the physical and psychological training needed to be a warrior. Along the way, the women, some that have joined by choice and some that have not, also bond and become a family. Eventually, there is an epic battle, and when the dust settles, the Oyo have fled defeated, but they manage to take a few of the Agoji as captives they intend to sell to the slavers, including Nawi. Well, Nis- Naniske ain't having that. 
she tells the king that she is going to get her soldiers. And the king tells her not to go because he intends to name her as his partner in ruling the kingdom the very next day. At first, she was going to honor the king's orders because that's who she is. But then she thought about Nawi. And you might be thinking, what's so special about Nawi? Well, good question. It turns out that Naniska had a child as a result of the rape she had experienced at the hands of the Oyo. She had the child in secret and her friend put the child up for adoption. That child was Nawi. So Naniska defies the king's order and heads to save Nawi and the other Agoji that had been captured. A few of her fellow warriors from the Agoji and the male infantry come along without her even asking. When they arrive at the slaver's camp, they realize that it would not be enough to rescue the captives. They needed to burn the whole place down and kill all the slavers. And so they did. And at the end of the movie, we, you know, we've lost many of the Agoji warrior women that we have spent time with during the course of the film. But Naniska and Nawi live to fight another day. When they arrive back in Dahomey, victorious in yet another battle, instead of punishing Naniska for obeying him, he makes her the woman king and she sits on a throne beside him. The end. Y'all, this one, I'm going to tell you the first draft of the recap was two pages. Okay. Oh. And then I said, Janiah, that's too long. Oh, you but were that telling just... them the whole movie. That's, yes, I was. But that's and then because... they walked down the street. <laughs> two <laughs> minutes later. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just, uh, just I, I'm only mentioning that to say that um, even with this this recap, which was tells the main beats, there's still so much to be discovered oh in this film, um, and so so many other pieces that 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 aren't named in the recap. But sis, I think you need to kick us off because I know you. Well, first of all, you suggested that we do the Warrior King, which was super smart, and then second of all, you've seen it twice. I've only seen it once so far. I'm going to see it again tomorrow with you. Um, yes. So sis, you got to kick us off. Please tell us what your your reactions were to the general story, the story that was being presented in this movie. I appreciate this movie because I'm sure it's not the first one, right? Because we have uh, things like roots and things like that, that really speak to what happened on the shores of Africa as they were bringing individuals to become enslaved. Mm. And the parts of it that we don't want to have conversation about and so instead of it just being like oh there were slave camps no we get a chance to dive into a tribe that is a part of this slave trade for reasons of prosperity from a prior king but even now just as protection for their own people but they're having a moral issue with it mm -hmm. and they don't like it because they're like even if we're not even selling our own tribe it is still people and we don't need to be a part of this let's sell palm oil we have so much of it we're great at making it like we can still make money from selling palm oil and there was a couple of other things that um Naniska named and so I think just seeing this conversation of what was happening a representation of it right of course we know that's not the whole story but just of what was happening on the shores of Africa in these um 
these tribes and in these countries, it was just nice to, to be able to see that part of the story. Because oftentimes they love telling the other part after mm-hmm. after they docked in Delaware, you know. <laughs> the other, they love telling that part of just, and that is, it's almost like slavery is like this great fantasy. Like they just love it. It's everywhere, every to and fro. And so um, it was nice seeing something where it's like, no, we're free. We're, we're all, our own people. We are fighting to get our people back. We are fighting to get them um, to be free. So I just appreciated that part of it. Mm-hmm. And I know I could get into the, the woman power piece of it, but really when I was watching it, I didn't feel woman power. Like, oh yes, I'm, I'm a black woman. Let me get it. I didn't feel that. I felt power for my people mm. and the diaspora because we are far spread because of the trans transatlantic slave trade. Mm. So I just, that, that was, that was, it was powerful for me um, just to see those pieces. Mm, mm, that's so good sis it's so good sis and that resonated for me too I mean it's so great to have an opportunity to just see on screen what we know to be true which is that there were true very real and developed civilizations in African countries before they were invaded and colonized and it's great to see that on screen Bro, what about you? What's your what's your initial um, you know, just thinking when you think about like that the plot, the story, you know, that general premise and the you know the the way that the um the the uh, storyline played out? Um, I'm more of like if a movie is going to go fantastical, I'm like go fantastical. You know what I'm saying? Or if it's going to be real, you get as close to real as possible. And I would have, personally, I would have preferred to see a story that spoke to how, you know, closer to how this actually played out. So Mm -hmm. when you say that, what do you mean? Well, um, you know, the Dahomey tribe or the Dahomey kingdom was responsible for a huge part of the slave trade before and after the events that were depicted in this movie. So to depict them as anti-slavery, that's just not what happened. So I wish I would have, and like I said, this is my personal opinion, I would have preferred to see, well, first of all, if this movie was going to be close to reality, it had to be rated R. It, it should have been a rated R movie that really depicted the story and told it. And um, that's what I would have preferred myself. Yeah, I see what you mean, bro. I, I you know, I, I think like... Um movies that start from um that are inspired by a true story but then fictionalize if it, 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 it feels like something that's like a, a pretty common thing to do especially in like the, the the epic films you know i feel like fictionalizing on top of like a basic historical truth is something that you see in hollywood and in big movies 
Um, I did though, but bro, I mean, everything you're saying in terms of the facts of it are true. Um, even like some of the main characters' names, like Naniska, there were, um, Naniska is named after a warrior that actually, that character is named after a warrior that actually existed. Um, but at the same time, as Aubrey was saying, there's no evidence that there was, um, you know, a, a kind of like altruistic um, drive in the Dahomey kingdom to, um, to stop, to stop the enslavement of people. Um, so that, that's the truth, but I, I honestly, I don't struggle with films, you know, kind of starting from a truth and then fictionalizing on top, um, especially since none of us were there. And I will also say like, one of the things that will always be true about history is that it is written by the victors. And so, um, the all of the the accounts that we look to for what really happened and what the real feelings were how how did the Dahomey actually feel at the time what were they act were their actual priorities at the time it's written by white people some Spaniard or some Portuguese person it's, it's, <laughs> it, the documentation is from the people that defeated them and so because we can't know the truth I understand that sometimes you know using um, a creative, using their imagination to think about what might've been happening. I, I appreciate that. And it, sometimes it's all we can do with history. So there's actually a great article that I found, bro, that talks exactly about what you were naming, about the fact that um, this story is an embellishment of the story of the, of the Dahomey women soldiers. It's a Washington Post story. It posted on September 20th, and it's called what the woman king gets wrong and right about Dahomey warriors. And it's written by Ana Lucia Arahuyo and Suzanne Preston Blyer. And I'll just read one piece from it. Um, and it really speaks to what you were talking about, bro. Um, it says, um, as many motion pictures do, the film distorts and idealizes the history of Dahomey's women warriors. They were not freedom fighters as portrayed in the movie. Rather, like other West African women, they were trying to survive in the tumultuous period of the Atlantic slave trade. Nevertheless, the film does help to dismantle some long-standing stereotypes associated with the Agoji by restoring their agency and challenging the historical European accounts of them simply as bloody warriors. This is actually probably a great time to talk about some of the details of the story. So we've talked about now that, that general premise and mm. um, how it's like, it, it starts from a, a place of true history and it's fictionalized. Well, you know, one of the characters, um, true from history, um, the king. So King Gezo was a real king in the Dahomey uh, kingdom. And he was played by John Boyega. Uh, let's talk about some of these performances. We have Viola Davis as General Naniska. We had Tuso Mbedu as Nawi. Lashana Lynch as Iza Goji. And Sheila Atim as Amenza. And again, John Boyega as King Gezo. The list goes on. Um, but let's talk about some of the performances. Did any stand out? Any, any ups, downs, reactions? I really liked Nawi. I think she did a great job. Um, I think everybody did a great job. I really liked that they leaned into the script. They leaned into the roles and they leaned into what they were trying to convey. Um, Nawi, for me, one of the scenes that really resonated with me 
was when it was close towards the end of the movie and it was when i'm about to say her name wrong in go in go izoji izoji was killed played by lashana lynch yes um and that part in her tears i just for me i just felt like that was a cry from every black person in the diaspora Mm. like it was just a representation of what is happening right now like it just what's going on for those that were even those who were a part of it um even those who were just people who were I was out doing what I needed to do one day selling my my, my goods and all of a sudden I'm good like it, it just, this is a very terrible day like so you to to hear because just as a people um all together we are torn and very much trying to pick up the pieces of narratives that have been told by white liars um and also realizing and understanding that there are pieces of our history that are not super awesome they're not fun to look on they're not it's not fun for a lot of people when you're first hearing like oh, well, you know, they were sub, they were selling the people to the Europeans. And it's like, a lot of people didn't want to hear that part, but it's like, guess what? That's a part of it. It's true. <laughs> it's like, you don't want to have that conversation, but you were having it. And so to her, her wailing, which really is what I think is the best way to say it, was it, it, it brought me to tears because I think sometimes there just aren't words that you can say when there's a pain so deep and there's there's a, it was a pain it was a confusion it was a it, w- it was a hurt and it was not just for her passing but her 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 friend dying her comrade the one who trained her her mentor it wasn't just that it was just like you could just feel it in the situation like why do we even have to do this like what is going on like that her her wailing in that moment for me was it was huge Mm -hmm. um and it meant it meant so much um to me for the movie it just really brought something out and I said listen if nobody gets an award she needs to get an award based off just that part I totally agree sis that Tuso and Bedu girl you all right by me because Listen, let me just say you can literally like, play 17 ages oh my gosh I mean, <laughs> so she's actually she's actually in her <laughs> is it her early 30s she's in her yeah, early I 30s think she's like 31 or 32 and she was <laughs> like playing that. a 19 year old you know so a 19 year old that looked 14 14 so, <laughs> yeah so shout, you shout, are all the ages shout out to melanin <laughs> exactly okay. yeah. she does she definitely don't look 30. That is at all. all. At, at all. all. At but, all. But at I'm the saying, same time, I mean, she was playing a we needed, We character. needed her some of them other hood movies. We were... Right. Listen, really, we needed, we needed where they you had senior Greece. citizens playing high school students. Yeah, yeah, we, we needed you in Greece. Where were you? You needed Because Greece was struggling. Yeah, they <laughs> were. Yeah, they were. 
Y'all, I have to I have to plus one what you said, sis. She really, to me, she she killed it. I mean, it was like part of it was she was playing a youthful character, but the character also had been through quite a bit, you know. And so we didn't know all of her backstory when we first met her. Um, and over at over the course of the movie, you learned that she had been in an orphanage. You learned that she had been adopted by a family that um, you know, really didn't never treated her well. You know, we learned that her father tried to um to give her away to various husbands and cared, you know, so little about her that he then gave her away to the king when she wouldn't kind of like do what he wanted her to do. And even before we learned all those details, we were seeing um, a level of complexity in the way she was showing up. You know, I think sometimes when it's a teen character, it's like, oh, I'm rebellious because I'm a teen, you know? But that wasn't this. It was, I have something inside of me that's fighting to, to, to be free and to show up. And everything around me is trying to stifle it. And I, I can't let that happen. I don't know. I don't know how to make it. I don't know what it is. I don't know how to bring it to life, but I'm not going to allow it to be stifled. And that's what I was seeing in her character. And I thought she just did such a great job. And we have to shout out to Viola Davis. You know, I got to say yeah, that Viola Davis, I will be interested to see. Um, I, as I was watching the movie, I was uh, trying to assess the uh, accents of the people that I know are, um, you know, who I know were, were were really, you know, had probably learned accents for the movie. Um, and honestly, I got to tell you, Viola Davis, once again, you come through to me with Flying Stars. I thought um, in addition to her portrayal... <laughs> You don't think that in addition to her, um, the the emotional complexity of this character that had to be the the spine, okay, the the spine for this whole tribe of um of women warriors in a kingdom that was basically under attack, you know, um, and, and being victimized in so many ways, um, with with waning prosperity, you know, we were getting a sense of that as well. Um you know, she had to to just have the fortitude to continue to be a leader. And even the king was like relying on her because she was such great counsel, you know, out of all the, the people in the council. He was the, she had his ear because she was so well-reasoned in her, her, her way of looking at the world and what needed to be done. And I thought Viola Davis did a great, great job, you know. Um, and I, I have to shout out one more person, which was Lashana Lynch. Well, first, let me just say, I always enjoyed me some Lashana Lynch. Okay. I mean, she, I, you know, I saw her and I'm not a person that has seen um, 007 movies. I just need y'all to know, like, I can't act like I know all the, uh, I can't even remember what 007. There are. <laughs> what, that, what, what is his name? James Bond. Thank there, you, James there. Bond. There but are I, eight million of those movies. There's eight million. I think that's only the only them. one I saw. But it, but but let me just say, <laughs> she she knocked me out in that movie, and she knocked me out again because she's so natural. She's so deep, like she's so well embodies whatever character she's in, and um and she ends up somehow being able to have really fun moments, but also moments that are so gut wrenching and hard. She did, she, she did make me laugh a lot. Yeah, they did. They did. I, I appreciate it. I always when a serious movie can have those moments of relief where you're able to just <laughs> chuckle a bit. It's like, this is so much happening right now. So much. <laughs> can I just smile just a tinge? I will say shout out to all of the wives 
Let me tell you something. Of the king. When, yeah. Yes. When John Boyega was walking down that hall, he was like, my love, my love, my love. <laughs> I was like, yeah, <laughs> all of those are your love. And the, the woman that played um, Ashanti, I think that was the queen's name. Um, that was like, I guess the main queen. Jamie um, Lawson. She did an amazing job I as think well. it's just Shantae. Shant was Shantae. Okay, mm-hmm. Shantae. Shanti, yeah. Shanti, thank mm-hmm. you. They she did an awesome job at making you want to beat her up. Yeah. And I was two, like, two, two. And let me tell you something. I don't know what the casting call. Listen, I don't know what the casting call was, but it was like beautiful black people. Like I feel like that <laughs> was how they said, like, if you're beautiful and black, come try out. And it was like, okay we're on our way. And so <laughs> all of the queens were gorgeous. And I was yeah. like, yes. And how the, even just in within the, um, in Goji, how they were gorgeous. Agoji. And, uh, thank you. Agoji mm-hmm. and how they were beautiful and the variation in skin tone, how it was all represented. Mm-hmm. Not like, and I know this is not, but just natural hair. In yes, general, yes. I was just like in the fullness, and I'm sure because it's you know it's cameras, there has to be makeup and stuff like that. Um, but it didn't look so makeup that it looked like it was about to take someone's face off, and they had a whole new face when you got done. It's like no, and then to think about the background of this, I only watched a little bit of it, but mm. their training videos, I was just like. Oh, you're training with a spear. What? It was just. Thank you for calling it a training video because it wasn't. <laughs> I mean, they were <laughs> videos of them training. <laughs> yeah, but but they weren't training videos. We were watching training sequences. Oh, when you say training, training video, <laughs> you're like, oh, you know, let's go into the like conference I'm, room and HR that... is about to put something is on the. Welcome. Welcome to the Dahomey. Exactly. I think, I think we all knew what she You're was saying. You're in a goji now. You're in a goji now. I think we all knew what Brittany was saying. Well, I think, I think, what is more sexual precise. harassment? <laughs> Brittany, you no. are, Brittany, you are giving Denia more power right now. <laughs> oh my gosh. Y'all, what about John Boyega? Can I just say, I found him to be a delight. Which one was that? The king. Okay. Okay. Because let me just say, like, I thought he did such a good job of, like, showing us, like, the complexity of, like, being a new new king. He's trying to understand his power, how to wield it, how to balance it. Okay. And um, I appreciate it when a leader can take counsel. I really do, you know, and I, um, I felt like that is what he showed us. He showed us that he wasn't trying to do everything just because he was the king. But at the same time, when somebody started to cross the line a little bit too much, he did remind them, oh, I am the king. So don't get it yes. twisted here for a little minute. I'm a just king. Okay. And I might be taking some feedback, but I'm making the final decision. You know, yes. and I thought he just did a good job of of showing that. And this was just just like uh, I, I would say, this is another character where it's like there were moments of like levity, where it was like <laughs> where it was like truly you're laughing out loud. But then there were other parts where he was he was he was he was making co- the decisions, and you're just impressed. And, and the 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 funny parts weren't 
ridiculous. You know, right. like, like it it was appropriate. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Level of just breaking it up a little bit. You know what I'm saying? But you never felt like any of the characters were going outside of themselves. Yes. Or anything like that. Yes. That one we have the shout out to the guy that was playing. I don't know if he was like an announcer or an assistant to the king, but that part where uh, Asante was like, or Santi was like, I, you know, she talking about Aniska having the ear of the king. <laughs> <laughs> and like the, the, the guy was like, he was like, but whenever the everything was happening, she saved his life and got him to the throne. He was like, you hid in the cupboard. I <laughs> just walked away. <laughs> Are you, talk- are you talking about the um the guy the was- eunuch the eunuch in the okay. yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah he was he was good that was he, good. Was. he did a great job it's just like and i think someone i appreciated she was the tallest um a goji and she was the one that was kind of like an i guess the second right, in right, command right right, right. She what? I, what is her real name? She did an amazing job. So like, good at being someone who Sheila Atim. Keeping she the character's name was Amenza. Okay, she. I appreciated her so much in being a warrior, and she was showing that that range of person. Mm-hmm. the warrior also the caretaker as she was giving her something to drink when whenever um Naniska was having her nightmare and giving her something to drink and Naniska laying her shoulder on her her just showing this range of person and even just a conversation when she got upset with Naniska and Naniska had yelled at her she didn't yell back Mm-hmm. Well, she yelled back, but it was in a way more so of, let's correct. I am not your servant. Yeah. Like this, just this conversation. Yep. Absolutely. And I just, I love that. Okay. So this is now a good segue to some of the, the themes that um, were covered um, in the movie that are, you know, much broader and more universal. We've already talked on, touched on some of them, but um, being a child of rape, um, you know, this is an experience that, I mean, this is a real experience that, that, that people are having. And I, I thought to myself about, gosh, though, like, I, I personally feel like I'm not aware of any content that's grappling with that story, you know, deeply. And, um, now again, we all know, okay, yeah, that's right. Because Benson's child is because- Benson is a child. That's right. <laughs> That's right. I'm just going to smile and not. I don't know who they're talking about. Well, this I, is Olivia on Long on I have no idea who they're talking Marishka about. Mariska Hargate. If you ever start watching SVU, Britt, you're going to be watching it for like hours and hours. Well, I, I was going to say, like, I, I, I was about to say, I stopped watching. It's all the time. <laughs> I stopped watching Law and Order SVU around season 17. Yeah, and so I probably have missed 
some of the story because I think they are literally on season twenty five. Well, they have and so they have they have eighteen versions. First yeah, of all, Law and exactly. Order. Then it's Law and Order Criminal Intent, Law and Order it's, SVU. They have yeah. a new one that just came out. Exactly. They have nope. so many. Nope. Mm-mm. Well, <laughs> well, the point is, y'all. Poor I, this is a this is um a a real uh part of the human experience, and you know that we we need content that will dig into this and help us to grapple with this. And, and this is a part of, um, you know, the kind of narrative that can be shamed out of discourse. And the reality is we need to be able to hold people in these themes and in these conversations and in these experiences. And another one um, that came through in this movie was there was a biracial character. And um, he got cut. He got cut from the recap. Okay. Um, just because because the movie is so much it was so much much. it was so much so this character um his name was malik and he was played by jordan bulger and so he was actually did jordan bulger have on makeup it looked let me say what it looked like to me before Hmm. you answer it looked like he was either lightened or dark but i didn't Hmm. i couldn't tell if that was and i never looked it up i just googled him pretty quickly well, let the record show he's beautiful. Um, but also <laughs> that's a fine man. But um, so I don't really feel any argument there. Yeah. <laughs> like I said earlier, there so was a young. at the top of he's every cast for us today. Are you fine and black? <laughs> Come on down. He's too we young for us to you. date. Um, oh, but but not that I would want to date him. This painting is by my boyfriend James. <laughs> Ta-da! It's okay, James. We have your back. <laughs> no, they, that, okay, he, he had I on a wig. I thought it was his skin tone. He had on a wig. His hair that was that definitely that a wig. Oh, <laughs> I said, "Come on, lace friend." Well, maybe, maybe that's why it looked a little not strange, but it, it looked something looked created, but I couldn't really put my finger on it. You know what I'm saying? So maybe it was well. It was, you know, that was probably that weed. Well, you know what, bro? I'm that gonna, wet and wavy too. I'm gonna make a reach. <laughs> I'm gonna make a reach here, bro. And I'm gonna say that what you were probably seeing come through was him struggling with his own identity. Okay, oh, you made that and very that's deep. why you that you're like, deep. oh, something about you know, him she, isn't resonating. It's like does. being fully in his truth, and that's because he was trying to discover what it yeah, was. She, yeah, so mm. you just went Mariana. Trench deep on this thing. You, that well, I'm just I'm just making a guess. Ocean. I'm just gotcha. making a guess about gotcha. what was coming through for you, bro. Because this character, he had um a white father. He had been raised in Portugal, okay, and his mother had been an enslaved woman from Dahomey, and so he had come to the kingdom of Dahomey with slavers because they were people that he knew. They were frankly, they were people that he grew up with. But um, he was not there to participate in the slave trade, but he was clearly there. And what actually happens during the movie is that he realizes that by being present and doing nothing, he is part of the problem. His presence does become problematic. And he then does um, join the side of the fight that the Agoji are on. And he ends up freeing some of the enslaved people. And and they drown some. Yeah, I mean, one of the slavers that he had (laughs) known his whole life, a white man, um, you know, he had he was he he was so um intent on the business of ensla- enslaving Africans. At some point, um, Jordan Bulger's character just 
couldn't abide it anymore, you know, kind of being complicit and let he, he, he freed some of the enslaved people. And they, of course, attacked their, um, the person that was, had, had held them captive by gunpoint, which was a friend of, of, um, Malik's, Jordan Bolger's character. He also, Malik also had a little tablespoon of a love story with, um, Nawe. And I will say of the the whole, if there was any part of this, this in my perspective was a part of the movie. When I critiqued, when I think about the story, this was the piece that I think probably was unnecessary. I don't, I think the love story, the true love story in the film was the women. It was the Agoji warriors, you know, and it was about this kingdom um, and, and it, and the, it was it was between the Goji warriors and I would say between the warriors and the kingdom. Those were the love stories to me for the movie. And then we had this little one, which was like Nawe um, and, and Malik having some attraction and romantic feelings. They can't be together for many reasons. He lives in Portugal. She lives in the kingdom of Dahomey. But also as an Agoji, she's not allowed to take a mate. She's not allowed to have a romantic partner. And so they can't be together. The good thing though- she could go with him. No, you know what I mean because like if she in every other part of the world, you know what I mean. Like, he he ha he would have to he had to buy her to even yeah. get her off the auction block. Yeah. So yeah, I mean that was the part I didn't. We didn't really need that love story from my perspective. But the good thing that came out of it was that they were able to have an intimate conversation where Nawi learned some of the things he had overheard about what the Oyo were about to do in their attack. And yeah. so that was to me the only way that that love story actually served the movie. It was to give the Agoji that bit of insight that Malik had, they wouldn't have gotten any other way except through that little, you know, you know, sneak, sneak, sneaky conversation he had with, um, with Nawe. Yeah. When they had that conversation, I was really scared. I thought that, <laughs> I thought, I only thought the worst. I was like, He's about to rape her in the forest. Don't go. Yeah. I didn't think anything good when they were about to have that meeting. And I was like, <laughs> okay. I, I did. I went, because I mean, all I'm thinking of is just what has just been happening. Like you're seeing the flashbacks from Naniska mm -hmm. and you're just like, don't leave the kingdom by yourself. Don't do it. No good can happen. No. All horrible things are going to happen. And so, um, but when it was like just this conversation, so I'm going to ask it. Do you all think they did it? Of course. It was, I thought it was implied. Oh, you think they did? I couldn't tell. They didn't care. I couldn't tell. Well, I, I thought. I mean, she was wrapped up in that blanket. I was like, if yeah, there's a woman he, king he was, too, he was out, of, see. He was out of the later. room. He was out of the room with no shirt on. Yeah. That just, he could have been sleeping on the porch because he has such good banners. Well, he have think, no pajamas. I think in the woman king too, there's going to be a slightly darker baby. <laughs> a, slightly, <laughs> a slightly light baby. Oh, look at this. No, it's like, yeah, three, a three quarter. <laughs> Yeah. Well, uh, let, let me let me ask you this: uh, we we got into one of our right perspective conversation jumbles, and in a moment where it felt like you were about to make a poignant point about James's work right there, and I felt like I really wanted to hear what you were about. To oh, say. thanks, bro. To, yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, oh, you're I, I right. Did, I did want to hear what you were about. Thank you, bro. Yeah, so I normally have a different painting sitting right here. Um, but I put this one up um, specifically for this episode for today's podcast. So okay. my boyfriend, James Jorsling, is a, obviously a very talented a painter. And I have so many of his works throughout my home. This is one of his newest pieces. It, does, it isn't titled, but it is to me, it's a beautiful um, visual of community. And, um, and it's, it is specifically black community and it is community that is, um, in his, in, in his vision of it, it is, um, taking place in, in the motherland, you know, and what I love about it is that it is joyful life. It's joyful life. And so much of the narrative we get is like tragedy and, um, and savagery. You know, and this is civilization and it's joy and it's community. And um, and thank you for 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 bringing us to the painting, bro, because it's also a good good segue to talk about the visuals um in the in the film. I mean, I thought they did a really good job of showing us a beautiful landscape, showing us um community engaging. And I also thought um the way that they integrated the brightness and vibrance of the landscape with like this, these very vibrant costumes. And I did look up some pictures, um, you know, to the extent that they exist for the, uh, for the Agoji historical, you know, images. And it, they were definitely wearing more colorful costumes. And, um, and I appreciate that they, they honored that aesthetic um, in, in the film. So this is probably a good chance to talk about bro sis. What are your reactions to the environment? It's so big. And a lot of the ways people uh, travel was just by foot. <laughs> and mm -hmm. I just, I love how they're like, you don't know how far they're going, but they just get out like, all right, let's go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, you know, you're just, but you, it also gets you to, be able to take it all to see it and everything. And it's straight barefoot, like, like. Go just, ahead. Just go it, but I don't, you know, it's one of those movies that in a lot of ways makes you understand that there's a lot of research and stuff that you need to do, but it totally. felt real. Totally. It felt, it felt, it felt like this is probably how close to how it looked, how they traveled, how they lived, how they dressed. So it seemed like something that there was a lot of attention paid to that. I agree. Um, I would say one thing that did stand out to me was the water. I'm not a water person. Um, really? I am not a water person. I will. Now, I, now is that, is that, and we're not going to get sidetracked, I promise. But is that water period or like natural water? So like if you're at a resort, do you like the pool, but not the ocean? Or you just don't like water period? I like looking at water. Mm -hmm. dangling my toes i'm very stereotypical when it mm -hmm. comes to water and i love in terms of pictures, being black pictures of it <laughs> yeah. oh what? give me a great Gosh. picture i was i literally was just looking at some old photos when i was in bermuda and i was like "Ooh, look at that water that yeah. i didn't touch 
I didn't touch it. It was so gorgeous. I love the sounds of it. The sounds are mm-hmm. amazing. Just knowing the waves it's there. Crash. Knowing oh. it's there, protecting us. You know? oh, or Keeping the mouth fertile. See, that's where I get messed up because it might come to flood. You know, it might get a tsunami going. I don't I don't want to be any parts. I don't want any parts of it. You know? <laughs> I don't want any parts I'll tell you the first time I went out the country, I was very excited about going into the ocean. And when I stepped in there, I'm like, I don't know why anybody likes this. Because yeah. it's like you can feel the rocks. And it's too much. I, like, I, I thought it was going to be like soft sand under there, like, like wet sand, which... But it's not. It's like oh, I've experienced both. I've experienced. I was about both. to say. I I've feel like it depends on the beach. Where, where were you? Where were you? Um, I've been on beaches Boston. in oh, yeah. Bermuda, all over, all over the world. Um, I don't even know. But it was yeah. soft. Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, I've experienced very in... rocky. Because again, I never go actually all the way in. I'm only no. talking about that initial couple steps. That's what I'm talking about. Rocky, I so felt like couple... I was in St. Thomas when I felt rocky. Yeah, I felt rocky. I've also felt been in a place where it was really full of seaweed, which was like, ugh, yuck. Yuck awesome. Pick a different beach. Now, see, and this is a lesson for everybody. But I have really, I have experienced that very just refined sand, bro, mm-hmm. deep in, like going into well, waist next, deep. Next, next time you feel the refined sand, tell me, because this is a lesson for everybody. The first time I felt it, I was like, yeah, that's that. that. Ah, so I have every this. place I've traveled, I have never tried it again. Yeah. <laughs> really? Oh, sorry, no. I got a sidetrack. You got it. You got to walk. You got to walk in just a team. What's going on? But it also yeah. depends on what, what, what the season is for that place. Because there are time, or even the, the time is, of day. Because sometimes but the, but, it could be more, you know. But the point is, it exists. Yes. I thought. And I've been to a ton of places now, but that was my, I was like, well, that's what this is. <laughs> this is I, all the beaches. Yep, I got the Meanwhile, meanwhile the anyway, beaches so are like, glad, you ain't gonna try I'm, me? So, so I'm glad we had the Beaches are mad. You ain't gonna try me? Us, I'm gonna pull us, I took us off track. I'm gonna get us back on track. So it was the water. I thought the water was beautiful because the water was telling a part of the story. Mm-hmm. And so... I thought that that was um, beautiful as well. I liked the um, the I don't know what you want to call it, but like like the um, chant <clears throat> or music singing session they had right before they were about to go to war. I liked that, and also that they really did that. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. as far as singing and things like that so I, that one i thought was really striking mm-hmm. in terms of a visual piece you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. well, well y'all i feel like, like yeah wrap it on up yeah i feel like we covered all the categories i do have a couple of very quick trivia bits um oh, and they oh, are man. about it's really about a little bit a few little Not nuggets about the time. history um, of the Goji warriors. So in the movie, it was a pretty intimate group. It, you know, I don't, it, but but the truth is historically at its peak, the all-female regiment, the all-female regiment had an impressive number of 8,000 warriors. 
And this is from an article um, in the Washington Post that I actually would encourage everyone to read. It was released on September 20th and it's called What, what the Woman King Gets Wrong and Right About Dahomey's Warriors. But let me read the last line of it, y'all, because I think this is a good place for us to wrap and go to the vote. Um, Despite the expected pitfalls of a work of fiction, the woman king does something their European colonizers never did. It remembers these women soldiers in a nuanced way that gives them back their humanity. That's nice. And I love that. I love that. So y'all, let's go to the vote. Bro, you're up. Does this movie get your shark's tooth? It does not get my shark. It, it, it um, I don't see myself watching this. It, it didn't grab me like that. You know, it was it was interesting enough, but it wasn't. I probably felt that you know, the same way you would see me watching Commando twice, like. Why would he, you know, like it just, it was cool. It just didn't, it didn't, it just didn't grab me like that. And for me, this movie is definitely a classic. You know, I think it was a classic. Um, one of the reasons is that it is um, Viola Davis as the lead. I love that there was a black woman that was a lead that um, had her particular demographics, you know, her age. Her, her, even her, um, even her complexion, you know, it is unique and special and wonderful to see Viola, da like someone like Viola da Davis as a leading character, but Viola Davis in particular, because she is such a woman that is, to me, she's such a breath of fresh air in terms of what we see and feel from Hollywood in terms of personalities and the way that people show up. And so um, her being in it to me makes it a classic. And then the fact that she just had a stellar performance makes it a classic too. And then another reason is that, um, and again, it's just like when we watch The Harder They Fall, when we watch The Harder They Fall, we knew that, you know, because there, there, you all may remember there was some controversy about some of the casting in the movie and how true the casting was to the reality of the people that, <laughs> that of the, who those people were. But we were all able to get over that because we said to ourselves, well, at a minimum, that that movie made us start to go and Google about who those people were. It created an interest for us. And that's what this movie has done. This movie has now given us an opportunity to, um, to understand the Agoji warriors and to understand them beyond the Black Amazon uh, warriors that we have heard about before through Eurocentric historical storytelling. It, it's now, it's prompted a dialogue, you know, it's letting us know that the women warriors that we saw in movies like Black Panther, they're based on real, real, real societies that existed. Um, and then the last reason I would make it a classic is because, you know, there's always something, um, that can get a little tropish sometimes, I think, when we go, when we have movies that are going back to historical um, storytelling about uh, Africa and West Africa in particular, as it relates to any story that is about like um, any part of the, the, the slave trade. And I just thought, ah, oh, there was nothing in this movie 
that felt tropish. It just felt like really truthful storytelling. And so for me, this the Woman King does get my shark's teeth. Thanks. I will tell you, I was conflicted. I was like, is this getting my shark's tooth or not? And I know the the automatic conversation would be, she's going to see this movie for a third time tomorrow. They just said that at the beginning. The reason why I started having some conflicting views in my mind, because I was like, I think this movie is a moment in time. I don't think that it is going to be, you know, I don't know. Some people may dress up as a goji for Halloween. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, but I also think that it's coming at a, a pivotal time because you have very black movies coming out every month, every month at the end of this year. You know, you have the woman King, the movie, a movie about Emmett Till is coming out called Teal. You have the second Black Panther coming out. And so you, it's coming at a good time to just be like, bam, in your face, Blackness. And so <laughs> I, I appreciate that part. But then I, I got, I guess you would say convicted. I was like, I'm concerned about what everybody else is thinking and not concerned about my own thoughts and what this movie was for me. Mm. And for me, it resonated in so many pieces, just with my own personal journey, just what I'm beginning to learn more about the continent of Africa, how each country has its own stories and its own set of things. And I'm just the history that I'm beginning to unfold, because one thing about our family, our parents were never shy of making sure we knew as much as they could about our people and where we are from. They couldn't maybe tell us, well, you know, it was on this street in, in this neighborhood. You couldn't tell that, right? But to give us a sense of understanding, this is now where our story started. Our parents were very instrumental in doing that. And so with that being said, this movie does get my shark's tooth. It does get my shark's tooth because I have, I am reminded that I am from the lineage of a strong people. Mm. My, I, to know that I am the descendant of someone who made it from walking from the interior of Africa to the coast, to then having to deal with whatever was happening on those slave camps, then to make it over the Atlantic in one of these ships, then to be sold to whatever slavery plantation that was out there to live as an enslaved person for centuries. I am strong. And this movie reminded me of those things because you could take it and see enslaved and make it as if it is something weak, but it is not. To go through a life where you were seen as one of the livestock and for me to still be sitting here right now in 2022, oh, I'm the shit. And I will always remember that. And thank you, Woman King, for being a part of showing that portrayal. I appreciate that. And I will never forget that. So for me, it does get my sharks too. And, and there you have it, folks. The Woman King is not a classic from the right perspective. 
Well, thank you for joining us, everybody. We really appreciate it. This is the beginning of season three, and we have a lot more great recaps and discussions to come. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Bye.